0: Hello everybody and welcome back to Odin's movie blog. I am the critic who is a cynic and I just got home from seeing Captain Marvel. I have a lot of thoughts. I uh, did some recording. I did some vlogging. Over at the theater, um, my theater was actually pretty hopping. I've seen it busier before in my life. However, it was definitely uh, nothing that could be simply ignored. Uh, my theater was pretty packed. It was the IMAX screen that I went into um, after getting, of course, my ticket for Elite Battle Angel. But it uh, got some good receptions from the crowd. Uh, a couple of points in the very beginning, and I'll get into that in a second. And also at the very end, where there were even cheers. Um, but, of course, I'm going to get into it. Holy crap, 76 people already here. Hot damn, everybody. Um what is going on and yes, we'll be talking about Captain Marvel, my thoughts on Captain Marvel, the spoilers of Captain Marvel, but let's just say hello to all you good people first. Rhaegar Targaryen, it's Odin, what's going on, man? Alan Sparks, what's going on, bud? CT, what is going on? Teresa Martin, what's going on? Tina, yes, indeed, I am alive. Maria Sinclair, hail Allfather, what's going on? Moons of Madness, what is going on? Hyperin, what's up, bruv? ID, what's going on, bruv? Super says, hey, how are you? You are streaming late this evening. It's 11 where I am. Yes, it's, it's late where I am, too. It's almost 10 o'clock. Uh, Central Standard Time where I am. Alex Martinez says, Hey, Odin, how woke was Captain Marvel? I will be getting into that in a second. I just wanted to say hello to everyone. Dion, what's going on? Blasted Heath, what's going on, bro? 100 people already. Hot damn. Well, let me go ahead and just shout out my patrons real quick before getting into the nitty gritty of my thoughts on Captain Marvel. So, A Great Jedi, Adam Shawhan, Dave Bob, Elite System 32, Edward Coleman, Enrique Evangelista, Frank the Tank, and the Shawhan Wiener Dog Clan, Harold Francis, the Hunkier a Funky Monkey, and Flame Wood, It's a Trap Productions. Hello, my lord. How are thou? Jason Clark, just Jeffrey Toon, Jonathan, Laura Story, Matthew Kadish, Mr. Peabody and His Evil Twin, Outpost Dyer, Perpetual Punster, Projar Sharif, Proper Jeremy, Shang Long, Sir Lance El Lato, Teodora, The DJD Show, Those Two Ball Guys, Tina B., and Wolfgang Lounge. Thank you so much for being my patrons. Let's see, Soul Assassin, what's going on, man? Hyperin, nice seeing you, sorry if I disturbed you from my email, no problem at all. Hyperin, Cassandra, what's going on? Super says, I want to hang for the stream, but I want spoilers, what do I do? Super, but you don't want spoilers? Super, trust me, at this point, uh, the spoilers that I'm going to tell you, I personally do not think have any impact on whether or not you're going to be ready for Endgame or whether you're going to like Endgame. It is strictly a spoiler. Like, seriously, the only thing that's even spoiler talk at this point is what happens in the actual movie itself. And so if you actually care about the movie, if you actually think that knowing just blind before going in, that that will somehow lead to a higher enjoyment of the film, then go ahead and, you know, you do you do you, boo. But at the end of the day, too, we're, we're going to be talking about some spoilers in a second. Jorge Gomez, what's going on? Mitz Nomer, what's going on? Egro Inc. Lay it on us hybrid says let me guess was it bad all right guys so let's get into this because i i'm not gonna be able to do a very long stream tonight but i did want to give you my thoughts and so basically this the movie is a hot mess this is something that we already knew about going into it so basically something that you don't really understand or know or recognize until the very end until you actually get the credits of the film is that this movie was written By a crap ton of people. The story. The screenplay. It was split between so many people. And so because of that. My biggest issue with the film. One of my biggest issues with the film. Because there's several big issues I have with the film. Is the fact that this movie does not know. What the hell kind of movie it wants to be. The genres are all over the freaking place. This movie at the very beginning. Is a typical MCU film. And I was like, all right, great. So, you know, the first 20 minutes or so, I was like, you know what? This isn't half bad. All right, it's a generic MCU film. Yeah, Brie Larson's not the best actress in the world, at least in this role. But you know what? Hey, it's a generic MCU film. I like generic MCU film. But then it decides to go off in very different tangents because there's obviously one of the writers. I don't know which one. But there's obviously a writer in there that wanted to get certain feminist ideas and feminist pushes and feminist Easter eggs, as I like to call it, into the movie itself. Because there are several points where you're just saying to yourself, what? Wh- wh- why would you? Why would you have? It? Let me put it this way. So, again, we are getting into some spoilers here, but again, it's really just spoiling things about the actual movie itself. And I'm sorry, but you really shouldn't care about the movie at this point. However, um, one part talking about the feminist uh, of the feminist Easter eggs. There is a part where a man drives up to Brie Larson's character, to Captain Marvel <laughs> in on, on a motorcycle and basically cat calls her. Like, just straight to her face, catcalls or Something where you're like, "All right, this is very forced. Because we know that he's catcalling her. We know that this is, like, you know, supposedly something that happens all the time to every single woman ever in history. Now, of course, I'm not trying to say it doesn't happen. I'm not trying to say there aren't some assholes out there that, you know, don't do anything. But what I'm trying to say is that they obviously wanted to have it in the movie because they obviously wanted it to be a major point. The best part about it, though, the part that got me the most, the part that really did show itself clearly to be a feminazi Easter egg, was that she says, or rather, he says the words, How about a smile? No lie, there's a character in this movie, to Brie Larson, who says, how about a smile? Now, I don't know if this part was written before all of the critiques from the trailers came out or not. I have no idea what was happening beforehand, but the fact that that line made it into the movie, the fact that you had this back and forth, and of course, what does she do? You know, she scoffs at him and then steals his motorcycle, and then it's like, oh, <laughs> she got the upper hand there. But it's just like, oh, really? You had to have that line in there? You knew what that line was gonna do, you knew the thought process as that line that was gonna bring up. But yeah. So that was one of the many, many feminist Easter eggs that were in it. But uh, let's see. We got a couple Super Chats. The Price is Right review. Thank you for the $2 Super Chat. Says, what Odin Price in the house? What's going on, Price? How's it going, man? Odin Foster, thank you for the $5 Super Chat. Hail all father. I am still working on that for you. I was just listening to World Class yesters, and they had a guy on there talking about Captain Marvel. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I saw that they were going live, too, so I'm amazed that we have this many people. So, guys, seriously, thank you. I really do appreciate you being here. So anyway, that was one of the major parts. One of the major issues I had with it was that there were these feminist Easter eggs all throughout the film. So you had the feminist part of it. As I said, the, the biggest problem, one of the biggest problems is the fact this movie just doesn't know what it wants to be. It's all over the place. So you have the, the, the generic MCU writers who are like, all right, we're going to make a generic MCU film. And most fans are going to be like, okay, I like those parts because it was generic MCU. And you know, guess what? That's fine. You know, other people can be critical of it saying, okay, we, we've gotten the typical MCU now for the past you know 10 years. Let's get something a little bit different. But there is going to be a comfort zone found for people during those parts, during those aspects. We're like, okay, I feel like I'm watching, I feel like I'm watching a Marvel film here, and then that's okay. But then there's also this feminist bent to it. There is this underlying undercurrent of feminism that occurs all throughout of it, but not real feminism. And feminazism would probably be the more <laughs> the more accurate term. And then so you have all those problems going on. And then of course you have the acting, and Brie Larson is indeed lacking that of charisma. However, as I was watching her performance throughout the film, I will say this much, I'm going to put the blame less on Brie Larson and more on the writing and on the directors. And the reason why I say that is because there were moments where she wanted to be something else. There were moments when she wanted to like fully engage and fully embrace in being just a total badass, which again, there's nothing wrong with being a total badass character. The problem is, is that she's just so inconsistent with her delivery. She's all over the place. You know, know, she's giving emotion, but then she's like, I can't show emotion because I've been brainwashed. Like, this is the whole plot, is that basically she's been brainwashed. So, in the very beginning, you find out that she does not remember who she is. She has, you know, very limited memory. Of course, you find out that she was actually a human person that got, you know, taken care of or gotten affected by some explosion and somehow became a Kree and somehow became a variety of different things. So, you have that as, like, the main storyline, the main story plot. But the reason why that's a problem is because they use that as a crutch. They use that as a reason as to why she's not being emotional. They use that to explain, okay, she's lacking emotion because, yes, yeah, she's technically human, but she doesn't remember being human. She, she doesn't remember any of these things happening. And so basically you have it where the writing and the direction are clashing with the direction that she's, or rather the acting that she's trying to give. And so there's points where you're like, okay, I I can see that Brie Larson, there's an actress in there somewhere. And for anyone that's trying to say, oh, Brie Larson is a terrible actress, again, I'm sorry, I still stand by her performance in Room. I thought Room was fantastic. When it comes to this role, she just doesn't fit. And, And I really honestly think it has more to do with the writers and the directors than anyone else. However, a great actor will be able to surpass those things, and she wasn't able to do it, which is why, at the end of the day, I just don't think that she's right for this role. I mean, we've talked about this constantly before, how there are so many other people that could easily have done this role much better, would have fit the role better, would have been more believable in the role, rather than this nonsense here. Of course, with the many plot holes every character and everything else. Alright, so that, that's like some of the major issues going on. Some of my biggest problems, though, have to do with a couple of different things. So, first off, one of the biggest things that was being touted by a lot of the people in the reviews were saying, okay, there are two things that are great. Or, no, three things that are great. Samuel L. Jackson. Right, let me just first say this. Samuel L. Jackson is awesome. The de-aging makeup that they use in this movie is freaking awesome. Amazing. Seriously. Samuel L. Jackson rocks it in this movie. That's because he is a, he is a, um, you know, he is a, <laughs> he is a, I'm trying to think of, a veteran actor. He knows his craft. He knows what the hell he's doing. So I, I was expecting nothing less from him. So Samuel L. Jackson freaking rocks it. The other thing that people talked about, the cats. The cat is cute. The cat is adorable, but also, too, the cat has some character issues and some character flaws, because it's just, to me, more of a MacGuffin than anything else. So it's like, oh, isn't that convenient that the cat happens to be an alien called a Flurkin? So, again, getting into uh, plot points here. So, basically, the cat is a Flurkin, which is a type of alien creature that can have, basically, tentacles come out of its mouth. And that doesn't happen until the very end, and it happens at one of the most convenient times, where all of a sudden, wait a minute, there's no way out. How are we going to save it? Oh, wait, this cat happens to be a Flurkin and just happens to be able to have tentacles come out of its mouth and destroy a bunch of people, but then also absorb and swallow a tesseract because the tesseract the the cosmic cube comes into play in this movie as well which is i'm just like wait a minute i thought we already took care of this you know the the affinity stones have already been taken care of but now we have a reason to explain how it eventually becomes on earth eventually becomes into the hands of shield and explains why we got in the first place but it all comes from the cat so again the cat's cute but the cat is also uh a little bit of a macguffin when it comes to these things all right the third big issue, though, and this is where I'm gonna, I'm just going to get on my uh, <coughs> soapbox for a second, is that everyone's talking about how the reason why this movie is great, the reason why Captain Marvel is the female hero, the woman that women need in today's world, because she don't need no man, she don't need no relationship, she doesn't need any of these things. You want to know why? Because she's got a best friend. Because she has a sister, she has someone that she can confide in. She has she she is able to establish this relationship with with Monica Rambo's mom, and, and is able to establish this 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 beautiful friendship. And you hear constantly from these reviews saying, oh, my God, that was the heart of the film right there. That's where that's where the heart was. You even had the writers and directors saying, oh, yeah, that right there. When you had the, uh, the red carpet premiere that was being live streamed, there was a point where literally they were holding on to each other for dear life. And it was a total act because you could just tell, like, OK, they, they obviously don't really like each other that much because guess what? They have no chemistry on screen. So you have and build up this relationship, this friendship saying, oh, she don't, need no man, she's got a best friend you know, sister power, hey, we don't need no man, because guess what, she also happens to be a single mother, so it's literally a bunch of women who don't need a, who don't need a man, who are single, who, again, and it's like, there's nothing wrong with those things, but those are the two main actresses that you have in the movie, it's like, you're, you're obviously trying to push for some kind of an agenda here, I'm sorry, like, there's obviously, there's obviously something you're trying to say here, again, women don't need no man, but the problem is, is that, well, Brie Larson needs something. Captain Marvel needs something. I don't know whether it's a man or anything else, but she needs a new best friend because there is no chemistry between those two characters. Anyone that says that that relationship is amazing, anyone says that that relationship is just like, oh, it's so good and so powerful, and oh my gosh, it's, it's what the feminine experience should be. is about sisterhood and about coming together and not needing men and not needing all these other things. Anyone that tries to tell you that that is the relationship portrayed on screen is lying to you. Their relationship is awful. There is no chemistry between them. You don't believe they're friends. What you see on screen is you see two women, two actresses, who have been put into a room together, been given lines to say to one another, and they're saying them. Like, seriously, that is what you have. There's no chemistry built between the two. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that one of the characters has no idea who the other person is, and if you don't know who the other person is, well, guess what? You're probably not going to be able to build a lot of chemistry with them. But even when Captain Marvel eventually gets her memory back—oh, spoiler! She gets her memory back. Like no one thought, no one was going to see that coming. So she gets her memory back, and even then, there's still no chemistry at all. I would say that the 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 actress, the young actress that plays the daughter, who plays Monica Rambeau, the the, the official, the first real Captain Marvel, the first female Captain Marvel, that is. She was the one that actually had the best performance out of all those scenes, and she barely said anything. Again, the relationship was supposed to be between these two grown women and, oh my gosh, sisterhood, but then what you ended up having was you had a little girl upstage them all. On top of that, as I've already mentioned, you had Goose the Cat, who was awesome, but guess what? Everyone reacted the most to two parts, and they both dealt with Goose the Cat. And I guarantee you, because guess what? That's all I heard about people talking. As I was walking out of the theater, the thing that people talked about and were kept, keeping talking about were Goose the Cat. Goose the Cat was the number one thing on everyone's lips as they were leaving the theater. It, it truly was amazing to me, the experience. It. I saw it on Twitter. We all saw it on Twitter. It's, it's trending. It was, Oh my God, Goose the Cat's going to be amazing. It's going to be fantastic. But the cat upstages everyone, including Ree Larson, including the titular character. When a cat, a Flurkin, an alien, that has tendrils coming out of its mouth that has a pocket dimension apparently in its mouth as well. They don't explain that ever. All you ever see are the tentacles and you're just like, "Okay, I guess the cat has tentacles. We've been told it's a flurkin, but we haven't actually been told what a flurkin actually is." So I guess we're supposed to just believe that these tentacles are normal and that they can just, you know, absorb the cosmic cube and it just goes somewhere. It's in their stomach, I guess. Again, they don't really explain it. And you see that happen a lot in the movie too. Things happen and then it just happens. And they don't explain. They don't say, "Okay, here's what's going on. They don't explain, "Oh, here's, you know, here's the reason why this is happening." They don't, they don't go into those details. Because <laughs> it's just like, they, there's way too much. There's way too much that they have to be able to explain. Yeah, essentially, someone's mentioned the cat saying, orange cat, good. Exactly, Trump cat. Someone on Twitter said, we should start calling it Trump cat because it's an orange cat. Yeah, let's try it. Trump cat, good. But it's also, I think, overrated because he's, it, it, the fact that the cat is a MacGuffin in this situation. Meaning that it's a character that's been put into place that just is magically able to, you know, fix everything. That's that's what <laughs> That's what the cat is. Brie Larson, of course, is also a Mary Sue in this movie as well. Captain Marvel is a Mary Sue. The reason why is because she's just all-powerful. She really is. She's all-powerful. She's put in a scene in the very beginning where she's, you know, being held down, and she's being, you know, her memories are coming back to her, and all this stuff's going on, but then even though she's in these fisticuffs, even though she's, <laughs> she she has these uh, restraints on her that are supposed to block her powers, guess what? She breaks out of them, because why not? She's able to take down ten scrolls without her powers, because, you know, why not? And she's a Mary Sue. She's just strong for the sake of being strong, and that's already a problem too. Is the fact that the character of Captain Marvel is weak, is weak as far as being written? Yes, she's written to be strong, but the fact that every time she's put in a situation, I'm just like, all right, well, she's going to power her way out of it. Oh, look at that, she powered her way out of it. Oh wait, she's going to do it on her own. Oh look at that, she did it on her own, and you see that happen all throughout. All threats. Sorry, yes. Uh, Chris Collins, thank you. Deus Ex Mahina. Sorry very much. Deus Ex Mahina. I'm sorry if I'm using my terms incorrectly here. It's been a long day, and um, but I'm, and I'm trying to get it as much as I possibly can, uh, as much information to you guys as I possibly can. So anyway, as you see, writing, major, major problems with the writing. Major problems, so inconsistent. The story just doesn't match up. It just goes back and forth. The characters, you know, some of them are kind of cool. Ju Law gives the best performance that he can. Samuel L. Jackson is fantastic as well. The player the, the, the young actress that plays, the daughter plays Monica Rambo. She's really cool. Again, as a kid goes, as a kid, you know, child actress goes. But that, that's pretty much all, all that you have as far as the acting is concerned. You don't really have any powerhouse performances that that you know get you excited. And then you really have the, the big spoilers, and, and this is the one to me that's the biggest of the spoilers, but this is one that we knew about it beforehand, we also, uh, you know, I cover this in my video, I covered a spoiler, f- you know, filled video beforehand too, but this is the one that probably bothered me the most. So first off, in the very beginning of the movie, guys, um, there is a tribute to um, Stan Lee, however, it's not the typical tribute that you would have, so you know how every Marvel film has the opening credit sequence, and it has, like, the comics flipping through, and it shows all the different characters from all the MCU films, they have that, only instead, it's all Stan Lee, it's all Stan Lee's characters. You know, all the cameos that he's played in the movies, um, other things from his life, other things going on, um, you know, other times that he was, uh, you know, behind the scenes and stuff like that. And so it's a beautiful tribute. So there's a beautiful tribute to, to Stan Lee. However, Stan Lee is also the person that wrote the original Captain Marvel when it was Marvel. And you have two instances in where basically they decide to crap all over. They crap all over his legacy. They crap all over it. First, the supreme intelligence. The supreme intelligence in the comic books is meant to be some like, you know, uh, weird, you know, large green thing. That's pretty, like, go ahead and just Google it for yourself. It's this giant green thing. And instead, what they decide to do is they decide to make it whatever it is that you possibly ever want to. Every Cree, basically, experiences the supreme intelligence in a different way. So, therefore, when Brie Larson enters in, she sees Annette Benning. So all the times that she goes to see and talk to the Supreme Intelligence, she sees Annette Benning. Everyone else sees a different person. Everyone else sees a different character, again, based on your own experience. Basically, the mindset is "Is it's someone important from your life. Well, since she has amnesia, she doesn't know who this person is. She just sees, oh, that's Annette (laughs) Benning. Look, it's Annette Benning, everybody. And that's all she knows. She doesn't know who the actual character is. And you see glimpses of what she knows. You see glimpses of what she experiences. And, you know, that's pretty much all that you have. And so when you, (laughs) and so basically what you find out, is that not only is she the supreme intelligence, and not only is a supreme intelligence just something that is, you know, you know, silly in the first place because they, again, co- totally go against everything that, you know, uh everything that was written, everything that was originally designed by the original authors, by the original act, you know, by the original uh, design artists, you know, just throw them out the window. We're gonna make it Annette Benning, not a giant green blob. We're not gonna do that. We're gonna do Annette Benning. Well then you find out that the reason why she sees Annette Benning, the reason why she sees Annette Benning as a Supreme intelligence is because the important person from her life, and this is actually revealed very early on in the movie, much earlier than I suspected, is because Annette Benning is Marvel. For those that do not know, <laughs> the original Marvel was a man. The original Marvel was actually a very powerful Avenger. Um, he did pretty well in the early times. and of course Marvel Captain Marvel Comics, you know, had kind of going back and forth over over its history of not ever being the most popular comic out there, but still well known. But Marvel was a male character again written and established originally by Stanley. So not only do you have this Stanley cameo, or rather the Stanley there's a Stanley cameo too, which is actually pretty cool the fact that they were able to film these cameo shots, you know, for uh, before his unfortunate passing. But basically you have him writing this story, you have this beautiful tribute to him at the very beginning of the film, but then the entire film essentially craps on everything that he established. It craps on not only what he's established, but what other comic book writers have established as well. It basically subverts expectations in the worst way possible. Because not only do you have the Supreme Intelligence not being portrayed the way it should, but even if that was just the only thing, I'd be like, okay, you know what? You know, creative license, whatever, you know, we can excuse that. But the fact that they decided to make Annette Benning, Annette freaking Benning into Marvel, the first Captain Marvel who was supposed to be a male character, the fact that they gender-swapped that character for no reason, really. Like, there's no reason for them to do it other than they say, oh, guess what? We can do it. Why not? This is all about women. This is all about the strong female characters. And so guess what? We're going to turn a traditional male character into a woman. Let's do that. Oh, yeah, let's, let's 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 focus on that. Because you know what? If you had had it happen the other way, if there was a traditionally female character turned into a male character, oh, you wouldn't hear the end of it. Oh, it would just be, you know, you know, oh, my God, you can't do that. no, 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 no. no. You cannot possibly do that. But for this one, they do it, and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, it was a creative choice that we made. It's like, okay, so, again, you are still crapping all over the legacy that Stan Lee had established with the original characters. You gender-swapped because you could. Why not? You know, why not? You changed the Supreme Intelligence as to what the Supreme Intelligence – Again, you changed the entire designs originally made, originally designed by, um, uh, by Stan Lee and his partner. And you have all of these things and all these changes going on. But then you also have a couple other things. And, and to me, one of the biggest problems, and the more I think about it, I think to myself, this is also a very major problem. The scrolls, you would think, are supposed to be the bad guys, right? Okay, well, here's the twist that they throw your way. So the scrolls are the bad guys all the way up until maybe three-fourths of the way into the movie. And then all of a sudden, at the very end, just you know, out of the blue, they're good guys. Yeah, that's right, they're good guys. And it turns out that, no, they're, they're not actually all that bad. No, what they're trying to do is they're they're trying to they're trying to get away. They're trying to you know reestablish their community. They're they're the victims here, you know. The Supreme Intelligence has essentially been trying to wipe them off the face of the earth, and and and, and therefore the, the the Kree are the bad guys here, not the Skrulls. So, <laughs> so basically, you have Ben Mendelsohn, who's giving a pretty great performance, I would say, as as the lead of the Skrulls, and then the Skrulls themselves, who are traditionally the bad guys in the comics. Again, these are established characters in the comics who have always just been the bad guys. They've always been the menacing force. They've been usually one of the be- the like the biggest, most menacing forces out there. Like for example, when the first Avengers came out and there was the freaking Tatari, everyone was like, "Oh, the freaking Tatari, dude, get the scrolls in here." The scrolls are the ones that are always the ones causing chaos and havoc. Oh no, no, no! And now it is canon with the MCU that the scrolls are actually good guys. The Skrulls have families. The Skrulls are a, a, you know, a civilized people. They're good. And so Captain Marvel is going to lead them. That's how the film ends. She leads them on a ship to find a new world so that they can rebuild everything. But yes. So yeah, the the, the Skrulls are no longer evil. They're just good. They're they're just good characters and, and that's all that there is to it. And that, to me, is one that I just, I can't get my head around. On top of the fact that you have these scrolls, Ben Mendelsohn does a great job, but then he's given these lines, for example, where he says the word jazz hands. It's like, oh, put your jazz hands away for a second. He's a freaking alien who's never been to Earth, and yet he understands the concept of jazz hands? Like, what? (laughs) What what, what the hell? Like, who wrote this movie? Who wrote this freaking movie, man? It's awful. It's, it's all, again, the more I think about it, the more I hate the movie, and it's sad too, because I will say this, for the first 30 minutes or so, I was like, alright, this is a generic MCU film, this is actually not as bad as I thought, but then they started to put in these random feminist tropes, and then all of a sudden they start to change things, they started to reveal certain things, and then you have to start thinking about them and saying, okay, you know, the scrolls turning good might work within this story, but what does it mean to the overall MCU? What does it mean to the overall Marvel Comics? To me, this is the <laughs> this is the crapping of Marvel Comics that's been going on for the past like ten years or so. Ethan Skyver does a great job covering this, by the way, where he talks about how there's been this this infiltration by SJWs into the comics industry, where they're essentially they're changing things. You know, they're changing characters, they're making characters of different races, different genders, all these other things, just for the sake of doing it, for the sake of inclusion. And basically, what it's led to is the destruction of the comic book industry. It's led to the destruction of these comic book stores that are now shutting down in droves, like sh- shutting down in, in just you know crazy uh, fashion. And then you see this happen on the big screen, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, it's it's actually now being perpetuated on the big screen. You know, with the previous Marvel films, you would say, all right, they're they're taking the, the original stories and they're adapting and they're, they're changing things here and there. Like for example, the Iron Man movie. They don't really go into how, you know, you know, Tony Stark has a drinking problem. They don't really dive into that storyline. They could, but they but they don't. And you know what? Okay, that's that's fine. They're gonna go a different route with this. They're going to still, you know, touch upon it just maybe a little bit, but let's let's focus on these things first. But this one, it just says, okay, here are these like long-established tropes, these long-established characters, and now we're just gonna change them. The worst offense, though, to me is is the fact that they they freaking gender swapped Marvel into a woman. Oh, and then Marvel gets killed, by the way. So now we're never gonna see the original Marvel. We're never gonna see an original Captain Marvel movie because if we do, it's gonna be played by Annette Bening, <laughs> and that's what everyone wants to see, right? Everyone wants to see Annette Bening play the original Captain Marvel, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Everyone wants to see that, and it, it just it boggles my mind. It truly boggles my mind that these writers came together, and that the producers saw the writing and said, oh, this makes sense. Oh, this isn't haphazard at all. This isn't going to leave some people confused. This is, you know." And again, there were people cheering throughout the movie, and it's because, guess what? There are generic audience members who don't want to think, who literally just want to, ooh, that was fun. Ooh, that was cool to see. Oh, I didn't see that coming. And they find pure joy in those things. And again, if you're that type of person, okay, that that's you. But for someone with a critical mind, with a critical lens, trying to look at it from an objective standpoint, I cannot help but just see all of these flaws and also knowing what I know what little I know about the comics industry and what I know about the original comic book characters I, I just can't help but think what have they done I mean, I mean again the Skrulls who are traditionally bad guys who are traditionally those the, the characters that are usually some you know they're, they're, they're a large group and normally they're the foil to the Avengers or at least they cause trouble with the Avengers and now all of a sudden now the Skrulls are good guys in the MCU the Skrulls are the good guys so you have Marvel, who's now a woman so Marvel is no longer a man; she's a woman. You also have the fact that the Skrulls are good guys. Again, Skrulls are just going to be all good guys now, even though they're causing havoc, doing all these things. You know, inter- you know I'm, like seriously, causing chaos. And then at random, they're like, "Oh wait, no, we're good. Wait, wait, no, it's a misunderstanding. It's been a misunderstanding this entire. It's been a misunderstanding this entire time. I swear." You have the inconsistent relationships between <laughs> between Brie Larson's Captain Marvel and Rambo, and it's just, God, it's a mess. It's a hot freaking mess. Um, But anyway, I've seen a bunch of people leaving Super Chats. Let me get to these real quick. Um, uh, Maybe there's going to be some questions about some things that maybe I have not addressed yet. Um, But anyway, so... Um, Lethal lightning. thank you very much for the super chat. Uh, Crowded as f in here. Bree sucks. Just gonna say DC makes great non-woke live-action movies. Insert troll face. Much love all. Back to work I go. Lethal, thank you very much, man. Now, again, look to the recent live-action films from Aquaman and uh, Wonder Woman, and you'll see very clearly that they are definitely not woke, that they care more about the character building, the story arcs, everything else, and being true as much as they can to the source material. Again, you can make small changes here and there, but when you're making major changes that have a major impact on the entire world that's been built by Marvel Comics at that point, you kind of have to ask yourself, you know, why did you do this? Why is this the movie? Why did you have to release a movie a month before Endgame that's going to not only crap all over the actual Marvel Comics, but then also not really do anything? Like, seriously, guys, this movie does essentially nothing to prepare for the events of Endgame. Spoiler alert. There's nothing. The one mid-credit scene that they have is her just showing up. So, another spoiler. Um... The first mid-credit scene that they have. So they have two end-credit scenes. Uh, the last end-credit scene is actually just Goose the cat, who's looking cute, but he's CGI because you know he's about to do something that you know a normal cat can't do. And what he does is he spits up the Tesseract. <laughs> so that's what he does. He swallows the Tesseract at some point, and then he throws up the Tesseract. And so basically, that's how you find out. Oh, that's how Earth, that's how Shield got the Tesseract was because it got thrown up by this freaking Lurkin. So ah, oh, God, and oh man, so ah, ridiculous. Um, Eddie Gris, thank you very much for the super chat, says, so the cat version of the dog from I Am Number 4 can eat an infinity stone? Banner only joked about doing that. I know, seriously, right? Yep. Can, uh, can totally, can totally swallow it whole, uh, no problem at all. Has it throughout the movie. Has it for several years, in fact, and then, you know, just throws it up. Right, actually, I don't know. They don't really tell you how much time has passed by the by that second end credit scene. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the first mid credit scene, getting back to that for a second, the first mid credit scene that they have is literally them trying to figure out what this pager means, and then all of a sudden, the signal stops, it dies, and so they're trying to get life back into it. And then, oh, Captain Marvel's there. <laughs> End scene. It's like, okay, so we, we knew Captain Marvel was going to find them. All right, great. Thank you. Thank you for that. And there were people, like, clapping for it, saying, oh, yeah! And I'm like, how did you not see that coming? I, I, I didn't even know that there was a mid credit scene, and I was like, um, obviously. <laughs> you know, like, obviously she's going to be showing up. And, oh, yeah, so bad. So bad. Entertainment Hacker, thank you very much for the Super Chats. Um, great vlog in the wilderness. Cheers from Tokyo. Thank you very much, Entertainment Hacker. Yes, guys, on the other channel that I have, the uh, Welcome to Asgard channel, I did a, uh, I just uploaded a vlog for my recent trip to Chattanooga. So if you want to see some stuff from the hiking, looking for internet trolls in the in the mountains of Chattanooga, uh, go check that out if you want. Omniscient Esquire, thank you very much for the Super Chat. No message, but thank you, man. Appreciate it. Uh, PBN Jamie, thank you for the Super Chat, says, Held down equals oppressed by the patriarchy. Oh, my gosh, the patriarchy. Yes indeed, you're so right about that. Leobardo Garcia, welcome to the channel. Elton Foster, thank you for the super chat. Odin, isn't the Flurkin the beast that the Guards of the Galaxy fought at the beginning of volume two? I don't believe so. I don't believe so. There was um there was a squid like creature. The flurkin though is the actual cat. So the cat is the flurkin creature itself. Basically the whole concept I did some research on this when I found out what a flurkin was. Basically a flurkin is an alien creature that can hold pocket dimensions in its mouth and therefore because of those pocket dimensions can have various things come out of that mouth which would include things like uh, tentacles which you see used here. Basically also they have a moment where you're like, "Oh, this was Groot's moment from Guardians of the Galaxy." Just like when Groot like grows his hands out and destroys everyone, the flurkin at one point also Tentacles out, destroys everyone. You're like, okay, that's been done before. <laughs> nice to see that y'all are, you know, recycling these old concepts. Uh, Marvel fan, thank you very much for the $20 super chat. I won't see it primarily because of marketing her as the most powerful character in the MCU, a complete insult to any Hulk or Thor fan, A and decades of Marvel canon. Oh, no, I agree. And she is a Mary Sue. Throughout the entire movie, she's able to overcome everything with basically small, little, little, you know, very little struggle all throughout. Very little struggle all throughout. Yeah, she's the most powerful. She's so OP. At one point in time, all right, here's here's another part. Because again, I just came from it, so there's a lot of things out there. At another point in time, you have a series of Cree warships from Rowan the Accuser. Rowan the Accuser makes an appearance, and his appearance is totally wasted. So you have a de-aged Rowan the Accuser. And you have all of these Cree Warships, and they're they're you know they they shoot a bunch of just, you know, bombs essentially to destroy Earth. And not only is Captain Marvel able to destroy all the bombs at once, because, you know, guess what? Reasons. Because she can. She's so OP. She then goes and destroys an entire Kree warship just by flying through it. Yep. That's that's Captain Marvel, everybody. The most powerful being in the MCU. The one who is going to stand toe-to-toe with Thanos. Please, God, let her not be the one to defeat Thanos. Because at this point, uh, I mean, seriously, they've made her so OP in this that even if, even if the Russos go in a very different direction... I honestly don't know how they are able to make up for the fact that they've made her the most powerful person ever. If she can destroy entire ships on her own, if she can defeat anyone without even breaking a sweat, then how is she going to possibly have any issues with Thanos? I, I just, again, they've kind of written themselves into a corner by bringing this character onto the big screen. Uh, Laura, thank you very much for the super chat, says, Welcome home. Thanks for the movie breakdown. No problem at all. Thank you for being here. Elder Maxon says, So Captain Marvel is DBZ Goku's story powers? Yeah, seriously. No, you're absolutely right, Elder like, seriously. And there's even a Super Saiyan moment where her hair is going up, and it's yellow and everything. Her eyes are glowing. It's like, oh my god, so this is DBC. Okay. This is the DBZ movie that no one ever asked for. So, thank you for that, <laughs> Marvel. <laughs> ICT Vinny, welcome to the channel, and Shotaro, welcome to the channel as well. Okay. So, another big spoiler. Another big thing that, that that's also revealed in this movie. So, two things. First, how did Nick Fury... How did Nick Fury lose his eye? Was it from some explosion? Was it from some epic battle? No, 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 no. Nick Fury loses his eye because he loved his cat. He loved his Flurkin so much that at one point at the very end of the movie, he gets scratched by the cat. And that's how he loses his eye. No joke. No joke. Nick Fury loses his eye. The whole reason for the eye patch according to this movie, now again, now canon from the MCU, is because he gets scratched by a cat. He gets scratched by Goose the cat and then loses his eye. Can't see out of the eye anymore, has to wear an eye patch. Yep, that is what we are dealing with. So that's, that's, <laughs> God. the more I think about it, the more I'm like, God, that's so stupid. That's so lame. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, he loses his eye. Because uh, the Flurkin scratches him. Now, some people might say, "Oh, what if it was like the actual Flurkin, and you know, it was like the giant monster coming out of his mouth? That would be cool, right?" Oh no, 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 no. The Flurkin, in his role as the cat, with a regular cat scratch. Again, you see just nothing but the cat scratch on his eye. That's how he loses access to sight in that eye. That is, <laughs> that is how he loses his freaking eye. Is because he gets scratched by a freaking cat. So that's the starter. So as you see him sitting on the computer. And uh, he's writing up saying, Oh, yeah, the superhero initiative is like the first thing he has up there. And he's trying to figure out, okay, how do I go? Where do I go from here? How do I, you know, bring this up? How do I, uh, you know, what, you know, we, we need to do something. There's these super power people. We've just met the most powerful person in the entire universe, according to the MCU now, the most powerful person ever. We need to do something. We need to find more people like this. We need to be able to protect ourselves from the Skrulls who could be bad guys, but then they turn out to be good guys in the end. We need to, be able to protect ourselves from these things. And so, of course, he's charting the Avengers initiative. Well, then you find out. Where did the Avengers get their name from? Not just because, oh, Avengers makes sense. Oh, no, no, no. It's Nick Fury sitting at his computer. And he's eyeing through some documents and he finds a picture of Carol Danvers, you know, you know, on the plane, on her fighter pilot jet. And on the side of that jet is a name. And it's Carol the Avenger Danvers. Yes. So the name of the Avengers comes from the fact that on the side of Carol Danvers' fighter jet from when she was a human, <laughs> all of that comes together. So the entire Avengers name itself comes from, now the entire Avengers universe has now been forever changed. Basically to me, this is very much reminiscent of the <laughs> of you finding out that L337 is now, is now in the Millennium Falcon. You know, when EVS a- 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 S- started calling it the Millennium Flamingo, like seriously, that is how, this, that's what this has now done. Because now anytime that you hear the Avengers going forward, my mind is immediately going to go to, oh, wait a minute, that's right, that was named after Captain Marvel. That was named after Carol freaking Danvers. Not when she was the badass, all-powerful person, but when she was just a female fighter pilot called the Avenger. That was her nickname as a fighter pilot, the Avenger. Oh, guess what? Nick Fury's like, oh, guess what? That's a good name. Well, the Avengers Initiative. So the entire Avengers Initiative got its name from Carol Danvers. Yep. (laughs) Which is hilarious to me because now also... And then again, there's a lot of problems with canon that have now been brought about by this film because you have a certain movie now, just with the MCU, because let's, let's just ignore how much they've just destroyed the comic side of things. But now you have a, a, real cano- a real canonical issue because there's a movie in the MCU called Captain America The First Avenger, only now we know that that's not actually the case because the name Avenger itself came from Carol Danvers who, by proxy, is the first Avenger. In fact, remember that poster that everyone was freaking out about that was saying, before the Avengers, there was Captain Marvel, there was Carol Danvers? Well, now we know that, oh, before the Avengers were a thing, there was the Avenger, Carol Danvers... And so, you have the first Avenger, who is actually no longer the first Avenger. So, what do they do? Do they retcon that title? They say, okay, we're going to go back, and Captain Marvel, the first Avenger, will no longer be called Captain America, Captain America, the the, the, the first Avenger. Now, we're going to change the name, because now we have to, because now we've just put ourselves into this canonical situation here. So, yeah, the Avenger's name comes from the fact that Carol Danvers flew a jet, and her nickname was the Avenger. Yep, that's where you get it from. And, of course, as I just mentioned... <laughs> Nick Fury loses his eye because he gets scratched by a freaking cat. Goose the cat is the one that scratches up <laughs> his eye and makes him no longer able to see. Yep. This is this is what we're dealing with now. We're not just dealing with a movie that really shouldn't be coming out at this point. Seriously, it's March. Endgame comes out in April. Why is this movie coming out? Oh wait, that's right. It's coming out because, oh, it's 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 Women's History Month. And actually, this movie has been pushed back several times. People like ten times, you know that to forget about the fact that this movie was actually supposed to come out a while back. But it kept being pushed back, and so all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute, March, that's Women's History Month. Oh, March 8th, that's that's International Women's Day, that's the perfect time to have this movie come out, right? And now what do you have? Now you have a movie that's not just crapping over the Marvel Comics side of things, but is now also causing some severe problems for the MCU, canonical problems for the MCU in the future. God, things are looking awful. Things are looking so, so bad. Um, Let's see, ICT Vinnie, welcome to the channel. Shotaro, welcome to the channel. KS Wheels, thank you very much for the super chat. Says they microtransactioned a ninety-nine overall character. Yep, <laughs> pretty much there. Pretty much, they were like, "Oh, let's just get this moon out there. We need to. Wait, oh, sorry, we need Captain Marvel. We need Captain Marvel in this universe. Why? Oh, because she's a strong woman, Okay, who cares?" Like, seriously, oh, that's, that's your reason for bringing it in? Oh, she's a strong woman, we need her in there. No, 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 no. What you needed to do was not have anything come out before Endgame, build up Endgame, and then maybe then you could have Captain Marvel come in at some point and help. And, you know, and that's how you introduce her character, and then you have her solo film. But now you've just built her up to be the most OP person to ever exist in the history of comics. You've now taken that concept, you've taken that understanding, and then you just crapped over everything. You've crapped all over everything that you've already established in the Marvel comics and also in the MCU. God. Man. Uh, let's see. Um, Alton Foster. Actually, no. Remy Demi, welcome to the channel. Alton Foster, thank you for the super chat, says, Wait, I thought Howard Stark found the Tesseract at the end of Captain America. Well, you know, basically, the way that they got it, so Howard Stark... Alan Foster that's a good question. Basically what we mean by this is that the Tesseract became available to the um, maybe this is a plot hole, maybe this isn't another canonical issue a canonical question. But basically the whole concept was that the Tesseract was uh, was something that was on basically Marvel's invisible laboratory in space. So she had a laboratory in space because remember Marvel is a woman in this MCU universe now, no longer a man. Marvel was played by Annette Bening. And so you basically had her trying to create a technology. And so this is the other plot point. She's trying to create a technology to be able to go to light speed. And she's creating it for the Skrulls. And the guys who the bad guys in the very beginning, but then you find out they're actually good guys. She's trying to create that technology for them. In, in the process of testing it out, uh, Carol Danvers is up flying with her because they work together on the same base. They crash because they get attacked by, a, uh, by, by the Kree themselves. And then Marvel gets killed by uh, Yong Rong, who's played by Jude Law. Jude Law then finds, rather, the explosion happens. And in the comics, the reason why Captain Marvel exists, rather, Miss Marvel, because just keep this in mind for context sake C- Carol Danvers, before she was Captain Marvel, was Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel had several powers. And the reason why she had these powers was because there was an explosion that led to her DNA being essentially fused with that of Kree. Specifically, in this situation, would be the original Marvel again, the original Captain Marvel, a male. But we're just going to ignore that fact. What they decide to do instead in this movie is that the tesseract-enabled motor, essentially the core, as they call it, explodes, and that explosion is what gives her powers. Okay, so the explosion is what gives her power. So it has nothing to do with her being Kree at all. In fact, it has everything to do with the fact that it's this explosion is what gives her the powers in the first place. So then she is she passes out, and so Young Rog then takes her. And at one point gives her a blood transfusion to give her green blood. So basically, she becomes part Kree only because of the blood transfusion. But even that doesn't make any damn sense because her blood changes colors during the explosion. But you're thinking to yourself, okay, wait a minute. This, this whole core is based off the Tesseract. And yet, how does that make her at all even part Kree? It doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense. Again, it's a broken narrative. It is so broken. There are so many plot holes and it's ridiculous, guys. Um, let's see. 80s nostalgia guy. Thank you for the super chat. Says is Catholic Kennedy in charge of Marvel now? It seems that way, doesn't it? It really does seem that way. Uh, Gilkey reviews movies and talks about life. What's up, Gilkey? Thank you for the super chat. What did you think about the tribute to Stanley at the beginning? I thought it was great. It was probably the best part of the movie, to be honest. The Stanley tribute was great. It was beautiful. However, the movie that followed crapped all over his legacy. The fact that you had someone use his Twitter account, the fact that this man's died and that they're still going to send out tweets from that account disgusts me. And the fact that today. I think it was today, or it was either today or yesterday. They had someone go into Stan Lee's Twitter account and tweet something in support of Captain Marvel. Just is disgusting because they're literally using a dead man's legacy to try and promote this movie. And this movie craps all over that legacy. Seriously, craps all over it by making crap up, breaking canon, crapping all over the comic books and everything that came before, crapping all over the original Captain Marvel. Now we're never going to have a Marvel because Marvel is played by Betting, and Betting is killed in the movie. And if they decide to bring that character back, it's going to be played by Nat Benning and not by an actual male character. And people say, like, oh, why are you getting caught up on this? Because they gender swapped a character that they did not need to gender swap. The only reason why they would have done this is to try and push for some type of agenda, which, guess what? You can see being used throughout the entire film. And it's total nonsense. It's totally ridiculous. Aaron Parker, welcome to the channel. Dark Rider, welcome to the channel as well. All right, guys, so now I'm going to get to some of the chats. Septum Gaming says, did Brie Larson point the middle finger to Stan Lee? Not not physically, but um, I would say the writers of the movie, the writers and directors and producers, they're the ones that gave the biggest middle finger. Because the actors at the end of the day, they just deal with the script in front of them. They deal with the story that's in front of them, but they don't control it. Obviously, they control their performances, so Brie Larson definitely has some issues being able to convey several emotions. But I also, again, as I said from the very beginning, I blame the writers and the directors a lot more than Brie Larson because she's the one that's been given this script that's all over the place. That's, an, that's a total and tonal mess. And she's got to figure out what to do with it. And she's like, all right, so I'm, I'm happy now. I'm not happy now. I don't know what to feel. And wait a minute. I don't remember. So can I have feelings? And just I, I I imagine it must have been hell to be on set being like, I don't know what to do. Either that or she was just like, OK, I'll just do whatever you tell. You tell me to stand here and say it this way. I'll say it that way. And that's what I have a feeling probably ended up happening. So I I do blame her to an extent because she's shown herself to not be the right person for this role. And she shows that consistently throughout, but definitely more so the fault of the writers and the directors for doing that. Tina says, give that pup a belly rub. Oh, my goodness. She is totally upside down. Um, I'm not going to uh, do that because that would wake her up, but that is adorable. Thank you for pointing that out, Tina. Appreciate it. Uh, Let's see. Dark Detective says, will this movie have legs? Um, Dark Detective, it's really hard to say because we don't have any box office numbers yet. What I can gather, though, what I can assume is that this is going to, because it's a generic MCU film, and just to guys, to let y'all know my grade, I I let the grade be known on Twitter. Even with all of that, and this can easily change, I'm at a C minus. i C-. I'm like between a D-plus and a C-minus for this movie because there are a couple of things that I think are really good. Again, Samuel L. Jackson is fantastic in this role. The makeup department deserves an Oscar. Seriously, the makeup department for this movie is top-notch. Because, from what I've been told, it's actually not as much CGI as it is actual de-aging makeup that they use in order to make uh, Samuel L. Jackson and uh, Phil Coulson look younger. And what's amazing to me is that it looks freaking flawless, man. Like, seriously, he looks like he would have looked in the 90s. It's beautiful to see. But also the Skrulls, despite their character issues, look awesome. The scrolls look awesome because guess what? They use makeup and practical effects. And because of that, I have to give kudos to the makeup department. They did an excellent job. Um, But as far as is the movie going to have legs, it really is just going to depend because I I honestly think that this movie is such a mess that it's just going to have that generic MCU-type run. Where it's going to make maybe between like five, six hundred million dollars. I don't see this movie being that three hundred fifty million dollar opening that everyone's been telling us about. That this movie's going to make, you know, like like two hundred million dollars in China and be gigantic and huge. I just don't see that happening because, yeah, the pre-sales were great. I have a lot of footage and I'm going to put this up um, on one of the channels. I I did some vlogging of my experience showing the parking lot, showing the inside. There were a lot of people there. So the, you know, the opening night, the Thursday night showings, the Thursday night numbers are going to look really good. My question is, how many people are actually going to show up between Friday and Sunday who are actually going to show up to support the movie, who did not just pre-buy tickets? Because pre-sales only tell you a part of the story. They do not account for the people who actually buy tickets on the day. Because guess what, guys? As many people as there were who had bought tickets in advance, so many more were still buying tickets for the other showings. Because as I said, most people in today's world still actually go to the box office to buy their ticket there and not online and not in advance. That's just the way that it works, especially the Friday through Sunday audiences. When Thursday is a very different animal because Thursday is usually a very specific type of audience that all tend to buy pre-sales. Pre-sales only tell you part of the story, though. Again, pre-sales can only tell you if there's some type of hype leading up to the film. They can only tell you if the, the film is selling well overall, but it can't tell you are, are you going to see other people, generic fans, generic movie fans in general, show up in the same rates, and so basically, anytime you hear these projections, it's people saying, oh, we think that on the day, on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you're going to see a, a match as far as enthusiasm is concerned, which is why you get these gigantic numbers. But there's really no way to prove that. Solo was a great example. Solo did very well in the pre-sales, and everything was looking very good in the pre-sales for Solo, but then people didn't show up on the day. And then guess what happened? Then you had just this entire you know, catastrophic failure that lost $200 million. Now, I don't think that Captain Marvel is going to go through the same thing because Solo was in a very special situation. It was coming out five months after The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi broke the Star Wars fandom. Solo was a movie that people didn't want in the first place. Captain Marvel only checks off a couple of those boxes. This is a movie that no one was really asking for, to be perfectly honest. people, Most people, especially comic book fans, were not really asking for this movie. Didn't really care for this movie. Didn't really want it in the first place. So you already have that factor going for it. And then you have the whole Brie Larson stuff. Of going out of the way trying to say, like, I don't care what some white dude has to say about all these things. Or a TSA agent smiled at me and asked me for dinner. This is, oh, this is my burden that I have to bear. And it's just like, what? And the fact that they had that line in the movie, too, just, oh, God. Uh, let's see who else we got in here. Um, Dion says, how was the sound design and music? Music was okay. Definitely they are, you know, trying to hit on that 90s music. But also, too, they underutilize it. They could have had a very 90s soundtrack. And I only remember a few songs being actually used in the movie overall. Sound design, I would say, is pretty good. Sound design, I would say, is pretty good. So, get pretty much the technical aspects are pretty good. The one thing I would complain about is actually the actual CGI itself. I mean, at this point in time, it's because they were trying to do so much. I mean, when you're trying to make someone look like a Super Saiyan, it can only look so good. So I personally wasn't a big fan of it, but uh, sound design was fine. The sound design was okay. Darth says, how does it compare to Wonder Woman? Wonder Woman's so much better. Wonder Woman's better. Again, Wonder Woman is a movie that I would give like a B, you know, a solid B to. This is a C minus D plus range for me. So that should tell you, like, they're just on totally different wavelengths. Like, like Wonder Woman is just a solid film. It's, it's not the best film ever. And it's not like in that A range as far as movies are concerned. But it's a solid film. It's, it's well-made, well-crafted, well-acted. Again, all the things are there. All the pieces are there. This one, you have all the pieces, but they're all over the place. And no one knows where to put them. Because the directors obviously have no idea where to put them in the process, too. So, uh, something hopefully will hopefully will indicate that these guys will not get another Captain Marvel film. And that they will just be gone from the MCU in general. Because, I'm sorry, they don't know what they're doing. Sure, they can do stuff on the independent scene just fine, I'm sure. But when it comes to this and dealing with several scripts and several writers and all these other things, nah, they can't handle it. They've proven as such. Artemis over EC says, oh, no, just curious, how crowded was your theater? Redstone theaters had a few dozen people. Yeah, I mean, you're going to hear those stories because there are certain markets that are not going to sell very well. My uh, my theater is a very high-volume system, rather, it's a very high-volume theater very in a very high-volume market. And so the IMAX screening that I was in was very crowded. It was very crowded. It was probably 75% plus full. There were a couple of Dolby showings, at 7 o'clock, and also a 10-15 that were both almost full. So it was being well represented. Again, there were a lot of people showing up to my showings. But it's going to be interesting to see what those China numbers. I see that um, a couple people in there, you know, Mike Kay and Tina are talking about China. China is really going to be a huge indicator because, yes, their pre-sales are apparently breaking records. But pre-sales don't mean everything. That does not mean that people are going to show up on the day to see the movie. It's just not going to happen. Um, let's see what we got here. I think that though, because of the Thursday nights being so strong, I really do think that you're going to see, I I am more confident now that you're going to see a hundred million dollar opening weekend for sure, at least in the United States, only because the Thursday nights are probably going to be very, very high. I really do think that's going to happen. Uh, pagan God says, "Oh crap! Odin's uh, got an audience. The world's doomed." I know. Seriously, this is insane. Apostaira says 6.3 on IMDb and a 65 on Metacritic. Yeah, not not looking good. And then, uh, Geeks and Gamers had broken a story earlier saying that the audience rating was already tanking. But I'm not seeing any audience ratings available. Were they were they made available and then taken down? Because if that's the case, that that to me says a lot. That that to me says a, a great deal. Like, seriously, that, that <laughs> that's insane. But anyway, guys, also, um, I do now have a website. Now, this is a very, very rough draft. This is a very early stage. If you've been following my videos, you know that I want to try and create an alternative to Rotten Tomatoes. I want to try and create an honest site, a site that focuses on, you know, really objective film criticism. Obviously, there are places for subjectivity. Obviously, there are places for opining and for putting those thoughts out there. But I really want to be able to develop a new system, a new way of thinking about movies, a new way of thinking about film scores even, and create something entirely new. I don't have that new system in place yet, but I do have a place where you can go to recommend movies, to say, I want to see it, I don't want to see it, and also to rate a movie once you have seen it. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to post a link to that in, uh, let's see, in this, let's see, where is the viewers, there it is. So anyway, uh, Heimdall is going to post that. So that is a link, guys, to the website. So go ahead, check it out. Again, go ahead and check it out and uh, let me know what you think. And obviously, it's a work in progress. It's still got a long way to go. I have three pages, though, for Captain Marvel. So if you don't want to see it, hit that thumbs down button. If you have seen it, leave a rating for it. I've already left my rating for it. I gave it a two uh, two out of five stars. Um, Alita Battle Angels up there too, and Star Wars Episode 9. So if you have other, other, another movie that you want to request, there is a Request a Movie page that will send me an email when you have a recommendation. And, um, yeah, hopefully we can just build from here and start off very, very small, but build to something really cool and big. Uh, me and my wife are brainstorming about a lot of things. We're talking to a lot of guys that are willing to do pro bono code work. So we have the, the potential to create something very new and different, and I really am excited for it. Uh, game Gamey says, "Since both are Japanese, which is going to be your favorite, Alita or Godzilla Alita, probably." Uh, Sol says, "Did you see Brie Larson interview for Wired where she was getting annoyed by the questions? It's so cringy. I did not, but that does not surprise me because she just seems like a very despicable human being." Uh, Zen Waters says, "They actually put that line in the film. He asked for my number. So no, no. Basically, uh, Zen Waters, what they did, no, no. That that was something that happened to her in real life. The line that they put in, though, was they put in a guy who catcalls her to her face." And then says, how about a smile? So that is a line that's in the movie. <laughs> oh, man. And it comes up. They play that part again later on where uh, the scrolls are trying to get through her memories. That scene comes up again, and it fuels her anger and her rage, which leads her to be able to you know, breakout. God. So Christopher Joe says, Hey, Odin. the positive outcome of this movie is normies can finally see how shilly the media is pushing the feminist agenda when they ask comic and MCU fans about the now obvious plot holes. I hope so. I really hope so. Cause the people who were saw in my movie, again, I think about a third of them were clapping. So I really hope that they, you know, step back from this movie and say, Hey, wait a minute. There's a lot of issues. There's a lot of problems with this movie that don't make any sense. And I might have to try and make a, a plot holes video at some point in time. Um, if not just this. Per comics says, you gotta put Odin in the chat. Uh, thank you very much. Appreciate you. Uh, Wheel says, go to Flickster for the audience score. Ah, okay, that makes sense. Let me go ahead and just do that right now, then. Let me go ahead and do that right now. Because I do have the Flickster app attached. Yeah, because the Flickster app also had the, uh, want to see rating a lot longer than the website did as well. Because Flickster is very loosely attached to it overall. Thank you for that. I'll check it out. Um, Alt fandom. Uh, ZayarJero says, Flickster has the audience score. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right, audience score is at 63%. So it's at 63%. I'm going to go ahead and give it my uh, my two-star rating and submit it. All right, hopefully that will indeed be counted. And again, guys, don't try and review bomb. Don't be those people that give the SJWs fire. If you see the movie, boom, let them know just how you feel about it. Um, Ganison says thank you for the spoilers we don't have to watch Captain Marvel yep pretty much <laughs> um, and let's see what else we got here going on alright go give your reviews guys yeah seriously if you've seen the movie if you if you know what we're talking about here then please review that HDF uh, says please advise viewers do not leave half star or one star ratings They don't count very good guys yeah don't do that cause also don't leave a review for a movie that you have not seen either if you want to go to my website and if you want to click on that I don't want to see. Go right ahead. Spam the hell out of it. I'm going to share that on videos as I do them in the future. And as the site, hopefully, it builds up over time. But, uh, yeah. You know, because Rotten Tomatoes took that away from you guys, uh, don't rate something that you have not seen. That's what I would say. Because also, the half-star reviews have been shown and proven not to count either. Tartateta says, I feel the mixed reception might cause low numbers on Week 2 and 3. I I think so, too. I I really do. But also, keep this in mind. When you look to the Rotten Tomatoes score... You have to be able to read it accurately because as of right now, it says 82%. 82% of critics gave it a positive rating, said, oh, it's fresh. Because remember, when a critic submits their score to Rotten Tomatoes, they get to click a button that says either fresh or rotten. All this means is that 82% of those critics said, I choose fresh. However, when you look to the actual average ratings they gave, it's a failing rating. Right now, the average rating among critics is a 6.9 out of 10. Now, I don't know if you can do math. Apparently, these guys can't, because that's a 69%. Last time I checked, a 69% is not good. <laughs> is not a good thing. That's a failing grade. If you go to top critics, it drops to 63% of the top critics think it's fresh. And then the score drops to a 62%. Like, th- these are not good scores. And yet, everyone's looking at the tomato meter. Basically, and also, I-, I showed this in a video the other day. What you also have is you have certain critics that, in the past... Have left certain scores for certain movies. And when they left the score on that first movie, let's say they gave a two out of five to one movie, they said, oh, that's a rotten score. But then they gave a two out of five for Captain Marvel, and guess what? They said it's a fresh score. So you have critics who are essentially shilling, who are essentially just making things up, saying, oh, even though I'm giving this a low score, I'm still going to click the fresh button because I don't want to feed the internet trolls out there. And it's just, it's it's not helping them. It's not. Slicer says, how is Colson? I heard he was underused. Oh, totally underused. Absolutely underused. And I heard he was, uh, did did she really blast Arnie but not Jamie in the True Lies Cutout? Yes. Oh, my God. Thank you, Slicer. That's right. As I said, there are several, because I'm missing several. There are several, like, hidden feminist Easter eggs. Thank you, Slicer. So, at another point in the movie, when she falls into the blockbuster, she freaks out and thinks she sees somebody in the store. It's actually a poster for True Lies. And whose head does she blow off? Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's right. She blows the man's head off and then leaves <laughs> Leaves Jamie Lee Curtis perfectly fine. Yep. As I said, there's these tiny little things in there. You're like, oh, I see what you're doing there. I see what you're doing there. God. And oh, Yeah. So many feminists in there. It's awful. Uh, let's see. Jeff uh, Ruther says, why was Alita, Alita being blocked from being rated 5 stars on Rotten Tomatoes? I don't, I don't know if it was necessarily being blocked. Um, I do know that they um, they do vet scores. When a certain movie is getting a high volume of ratings, they start to vet them, meaning that they don't just let the reviews go live right away. Because I gave a very high score to Alita, and mine, after a couple of days, went through. Basically, it's just their way of trying to stop people from just spamming it with fake accounts and fake, you know, fake reviews. But at the same time, too, it keeps actual reviews from being put out there. So I think that's the reason why. Septim Gaming, do you think Godzilla will make Captain Marvel go down? Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to do these uh, anymore. Um, ZR says, do you see Tyrone Magnus' pre-review act- reaction? No, I did not. Elder Maxson says, what was the numbers of Ant-Man and the Wasp? Um, I believe it was in the six to $700 million range. Last time I checked, pretty sure six. Uh, the first one was like in the four hundred million dollar, the four to five hundred million dollar range. So the second one did better than the first one did, but I, I suspect that Marvel will probably, Captain Marvel will probably fall into something very similar there. Dardet says Captain Marvel got a certified tag pretty quickly. Well, to be fair, to around Tomatoes, they do say that a certified rating is given once a certain number or a certain percentage of critics give a certain score, which you know is going to be guaranteed once a movie like this. But it is interesting to see how that number is constantly dropping. It's so funny that the tomato meter score, the uh, certified fresh rating, will go up. But the critics rating has been going consistently down. <laughs> so even though people are checking off the fresh mark, they're giving it lower scores. They're giving it that 2 out of 4. They're giving it that 2.5 out of 5. They're giving it that 50% rating. But they're saying, oh, but I'm, I'm going to call it fresh because because I can. Why not? You know, why not? All righty, let's see what we got here. Mm. Um, Aaron Parker, welcome to the channel Dark Rider, welcome to the channel Don't Mind Me, welcome to the channel Benny Glock, welcome to the channel Carlo Carlo, welcome to the channel James Cadden, welcome to the channel PB and Jamie, thank you again for another super chat Says, I can see it now in Avengers Endgame Captain Marvel tells Steve Rogers, you're not the boss of me I follow my own orders, probably Or she tells him, follow me <laughs> And then he gives up his role as the captain, as the leader And follows her And now she, I'm the captain now Oh god, mmm uh Goma, welcome to the channel. Vincent repeat. Thank you very much for the super chat says, "Please can you explain when the, when in the timeline that the cat is supposed to have spat out the Tesseract before or after the snap? Before the snap." Um but even then it's it's not entirely sure. Basically what we know is that the cat shows up on the desk, shows up on the desk of of Nick Fury. And so it's assumed then that it's still in the 90s, so it's still with young Nick Fury and coughs it up on his desk and that is how Shield gets a hold of it in the first place. So, that's how they explain it. So, the Tesseract is received by S.H.I.E.L.D. because a freaking cat swallowed it and then spat it back up. <laughs> um, let's see. Mattuine, thank you very much for the $20 Super Chats, says, just like so I got to Marvel, it was okay. Not great, not horrible, just okay. A few bewildered eyebrow for moments, but I didn't think they tried to beat you over the head with a sociopolitical agenda. They didn't try and hit you over the head with a sociopolitical agenda. However, they put many, many, many some hidden, some not-so-hidden feminist references throughout the film. As I said before, the, big, the biggest problem with this movie, guys, is the fact that it's all over the place. It is literally all over the place. The story is just so haphazard. And what you end up seeing is you end up seeing several different stories trying to be told, one of which is indeed a feminist story, is indeed a feminazi story. And so when you have that happen, though, it just causes the entire movie to fall apart. Because if you don't have a consistent story, if the story doesn't make sense, if the story is jumping all over the place, then how can you possibly, <laughs> how can you possibly tell a coherent, good story? You can't. You can't. And as you say, you know, Mattewine, I appreciate your thoughts on this. And yes, it doesn't hit you over the head nonstop with like I'm a woman, I'm a woman, and uh, women's rights, women's rights. They don't do that. But there are several, several feminazi moments, and some of them are obvious, some of them not so much. Uh, Jeremy Smurf, thank you for the super chat. Says, Happy International Women's Day, Eastern Standard Time. Um, no, thank you. Uh, Jason Winterdin, welcome to the channel. Hockey Dog player, welcome to the channel, and Churchboy0487. Also, welcome to the channel. Um, let's see. Steve Glasser, welcome to the uh, says, What's up? What's going on, bruv? Um, Dark Detective says, Did you see that Suicide Squad roster? I did. I again I'm not a comic guy, so I don't I didn't recognize a lot of those people. I did not recognize a lot of those people, a lot of the names that were being mentioned. Um, but I do like this rumor of Idris Elba coming in to uh, to play Death Deathshot, right? Deathstroke. No. I'm, I'm screwing up the names. Because as I said, I'm not a comics guy. I'm a movie guy. Um, but Idris Elba is awesome. So I, I, I'm excited to see him in there. Corey Ren, what's going on? He says, great to see you, buddy. I love your live streams. I'm arriving late to the party. What did you think about Captain Marvel? C minus D plus is where I'm at right now. And I've said way too much about the movie to be able to reiterate all of the things that I've said so far. <laughs> Um, let's see. Jacob seventy-five says, "Oh, the SJWs want a gay superhero in the MCU, and using one of the heroes from the Eternals to be the first one." Yeah, seventy-five. This is the reason why I have a problem with it. It's not that I have a problem with a gay superhero. The problem that I have is that they're going to take a character that already in the canon of the MCU, or rather in the canon of the Marvel Comics universe, was not gay, and then turn him gay. I have a problem with that. Just like I have a huge problem with the fact that they turned Marvel, who is a man, into a woman. I have a big problem with that. But I also have a big problem with someone who is not gay in the comics. That they just automatically turn gay. It's just like during uh, the Beauty and the Beast live action. They turn LeFou into this gay subtext character. And they're like saying, oh, yeah, we decided because, you know, it was kind of hinted at, at the, in the in the original comic book, you know, or rather in the original, you know, cartoon. I was like, no, it wasn't. He was just a small dude looking up to a big guy because guess what? That's what small dudes do. There was no homoerotic relationship between the two. And guess what they did in the movie? They're like, oh, maybe he's gay. Oh, isn't that great? I have a problem with that. I have a problem when you're changing characters. If you already have a character that from their inception was gay, okay, that, that's one thing. You know, that's one thing. If, if that's something that you think you can make a lot of money off of and you can make, tell a good story about, okay, great, fine, whatever. You know, do, do what you got to do. But don't just turn characters gay that, that aren't. Like, that. that I have a problem with. Just like turning a character that's a man into a woman for no reason. Planet Rez says, I would say the fact that it releases on National Women's Day is telling on what it's going for. Oh, and just look to the marketing. The marketing did not hide the direction that this film wanted to go in. And it's obvious to me that whoever was behind the marketing of this film was also the same person who was behind um, probably the feminist agenda that is in the movie. As I said, there are like five different story arcs, five different people writing this story, and they all have their different agendas. And then they have several people who also came together to put the screenplay together, and they all have their different agendas. And so, what you are left with is just an agenda-filled mess that is just uh, just doesn't work. Just does not work at all. Um, Patrick Alanguer says, "Do you think Captain Marvel will affect the box office of Avengers Endgame?" Ah, uh, I don't think I don't think Captain Marvel will directly. I think that the fallout. I think depending on how the media responds to the box office this weekend, if the box office does not live up to expectations and the media goes after men and goes on these you know sexist tangents, then it could potentially have an effect. But if they instead just talk about the facts, if they instead just focus on, okay, the movie didn't do well and it's because of these reasons, and you know they say sensible, which, you know, yeah, because they're sensible, right? Then at that time, at that time, you might see um, it affect the box office numbers, but the movie itself, I don't think, will directly have an impact. Someone said, "Iceman." There you go. Yeah, but say, Iceman originally was straight, and then they made Iceman gay. Exactly. That was in the comics. So Iceman was originally a straight character, and they turned him gay. Again, I have a huge problem with that. Also, that is one of the many reasons why Soul Assassin. That's one of the many reasons why the Marvel Comics industry is failing because you had a bunch of these SJWs coming in, changing characters, making characters that were white black, making characters that were men women, making characters that were straight gay, and the comics readers were like, "What the hell is this?" This, 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 what, no, shut the hell up, that's what Captain Marvel's pushing for, that's what the movie's pushing for overall, um, let's see, the Joe Show, what's going on, man, what's going on, uh, the Dangers says Captain Marvel was actually at the same quality as phase two and three, are people finally seeing the movie for what it is just now because it breathes politics and finally, um, finally stop F, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I hope that they're I hope that they wake up to it. I hope that the general audiences are able to say, "All right, this movie is is not really that great and why is this coming out a month before Endgame? This doesn't make any sense." As I said before, there really are no direct tie-ins other than Captain Marvel just showing up at the end of the first post-credit scene. It's like, "Okay, you didn't have to do that at all. You could have done that in Ant-Man and the Wasp." You could have done it at the very beginning of Endgame. You didn't need to make an entire movie to justify this one end. Like, seriously. It, it does not. Everyone's saying, like, oh, it's building up the cosmic, you know, oh, they're going to bring the Eternals in it. It builds up the cosmic um, thought process and the cosmic universe, and it sets up for future projects. No, it doesn't. All it does is turn a group that has historically in the comics always been the bad guys into all of a sudden the good guys with a really bad story to boot. And a cat who is a flurkin who has, ah, uh, yeah, Yep. Oh uh, yes, 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 yes. Zenwater says agreed about changing characters. I used to complain when they would draw Jubilee as Caucasian. She's Chinese, but I will also complain when they change white male straight characters. No, seriously, like create create a new character. If you can create a strong new character, people are not going to care about their race, gender, or sexual orientation. the The main point is that you have to create a strong character. Like seriously, and you know, full stop. Strong character. Leave it at that. Nothing else. Nothing more. Um. Let's see what we got here. Hockey Dog Player, thank you very much for the Super Chat says. Is anyone else disappointed how Nick lost his eye? It's so stupid. He lost his eye. Nick Fury, guys, for anyone that's just joining. Nick Fury lost his eye because he got scratched by a cat. Oh, but it wasn't a cat. It was a florkin. Okay, the florkin is a cat. Again, in the body of a cat. And all the cat did was scratch his face. And apparently it was strong enough to make him go blind in the eye. And that's how he loses his eye. Is by being scratched by a cat. Yep. The Avengers. How do they get their name? How do they how did that name come up with oh wait a minute? Something that you did not need to explain. This is how it is like solo. They were explaining things that you never needed to know about. Oh, where did he get his dice from? Oh, where did this come from? No one cares. Oh, his last name. I wonder where he got his last name from. Oh, you have no family. Well, I guess that makes you Solo. (laughs) This one, it's like, huh, I'm trying to come up with the name of this initiative. Oh, I can't think of a really good word. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait. Carol Danvers. Oh, what do we have here? Oh, her plane. She was known as the Avenger. That was her name. Oh, the Avengers initiative. (sighs) Ah, so stupid. So stupid. So stupid. Nick Furry. (laughs) Dave Ross says Nick Furry. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, But anyway, KSALS, welcome to the channel. Planet Rez, welcome to the channel. Um, Joseph Amukun, thank you very much for the super chat. What does Rotten Tomatoes mean when they say that the audience score as the percentage of users who have rated this movie 3.5 stars or higher? So what that means is that let me just pull up for a movie that it actually has that score live for because they're not live yet on the actual um, official website. So, Alita Battle Angel. So, that means that that 94%. So, right now, Alita Battle Angel is at 94% of Rotten Tomatoes. What that means is that 94% of audiences gave the movie a 3.5 or higher. So, when they say 94% of audiences liked it, it just means that a like rating is 3.5 or higher for for the audience rating is is how they um, figure that out. Which is interesting because that is a much higher standard than what the so-called professional critics are given. Because for them, all they need to do is click whether or not they think the movie is fresh or rotten, and it doesn't matter what score they give it. They can give this movie a one out of four. They can say, "Oh, I still think it's fresh." But the audience, they're held. The audiences are held to a higher standard than the critics, guys. Let that just be a reason. That's the reason why we need a new system. That's the reason why I'm starting this pet project. That's the reason why I really am. You know, obviously, it's very early, 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 early stage. Very early stage. But this is the reason why I want to build a new website. This is the reason why I want to build a entirely new rating system because I want it to be about the fans. But also, too, I want there to be a score given by uh, YouTube reviewers, like, you know, big channel YouTube names who go to see movies, who review movies, who are able to give an honest score to be objective in their coverage. And that is something that I think is something that has been lost among critics. And the only way that you can do that is by reaching out to people that you know and you trust to be able to respond to certain questions in a certain way. I got something going on here. I can't share it out altogether because I want to make sure that it's just right before we actually put it, you know, make it live. But um, go, go check out the website. Uh, the website is, is is up, and you can leave your ups, you know, your thumbs up, thumbs down on three movies right now, and we're adding, gonna, we're going to be adding more movies every single day. Um, and. Uh, Hopefully, in the future, it grows into something even bigger and better in the process. But anyway, that's what they mean by the percentage of users and the Rotten Tomatoes number. Uh, Steven Glasker, thank you very much for the Super Chat, says, Why should I pay to see an incoherent movie about a charged-up, super-sane SJW? You shouldn't. Which is why I would recommend that you do what I did, which is buy a ticket to Alita Battle Angel if it's playing at your theater, and then just walk into a Captain Marvel screening <laughs> if you really want to see it. Because um, at that point, you're also giving up your time, and I think your time is also more precious than money. So that's that's going to be totally up to you there. Zenwater says, this movie really does come across as fanfic. Certainly comes across that way. Keep in mind, too, this is all based off of the 2012 reboot of the character, which has since been rebooted, like, four times because no one's buying the comics. So, at this point, the comics industry, the SJW and Marvel comics industry, has indeed become more like fanfic than actual anything else. September Gaming, will Alita be uh, 3D on DVD? They might have a 3D release, I'm not exactly sure. But that means you need to have, like, a 3D TV, and then last time I checked, those are kind of going out of style castor Mosta says odin was shaved head after all <laughs> yes indeed yes indeed did it before we went on our trip very very comfortable yes the dog finally moved so no longer does the belly need to be rubbed however i think that she would think so um dad degur says one of the most disappointing reveals i've heard i was hoping a scroll who was close to him shot him in the eye or something proof that marvel has issues with violence yeah seriously yep cat scratched his eye that's how he can't see spill the beans odin, says. Viper Chief. i've been spilling a man where have you been uh, Robo Shlo- Robot Chlobo says, um, so I got to Marvel tonight, and it made me question how they spent 150 million and came up with this very end result. It's so very, very bad. Yeah, I will say this much. Again, even with my C minus D plus rating, I will say that I also question where that 150 million dollars went because it really wasn't on display in the visual effects. Like for her going Super Saiyan, I-, I didn't really see the money being put there. I've seen better use of CGI for less money being used in other films, but also too." Uh, it didn't go into the story. The I guess the makeup, hey, the makeup may have cost a lot because the makeup was done right, man. The makeup, I think, was done perfectly. But, you know, when you're paying a star, when you're paying Brie Larson $5 million for her first movie when every other actor for their first movie got paid significantly less money, I'm sorry, but, uh, yeah, you're probably wasting some money down the line. Perth Comics says, being able to select the critics that you trust and compelling a score from them would be unique. No, absolutely, Perth. And, and, and also, too, It wouldn't just be, oh, give me a rating and I'm going to convert it. It would be, if you want to leave a rating on this website, this is the form. Like, there's going to be a form. This is the form. These are the questions that you have to answer. Basically, it's questions on, like, a sliding scale out of, like, 10. And, again, I'm not going to go into full detail because I don't want to reveal anything too early. But, anyway, it's going to be something that they have to fill out. And the whole point of it is to get a truly objective standpoint and take on a movie. Before any subjective word has been written... It's going to be a score that's going to represent that. We don't have that yet. That is yet to come. I'm going to try and show you guys what it might look like in the future. But uh, at this point, I'm still keeping it kind of close to the chest. Peabody says, are you going to call your rating the odometer? <laughs> no. Um, right now, the website's just called OMB, OMB Reviews. That's not what the plan, the end result plan that I have for this website. Because I want it to be beyond just OMB. Blog. I, want it to just be, I want it to be beyond just this community. This community is great. And this community is awesome. It's, it's only by this community that we're going to be able to build upon this. But at the same time, too, I want this to be able to be something that's going to transcend this community. I really, honestly, I have so much belief and faith and desire to bring this about. I really want to, I want to change the game. I want to change the entire game. It's going to cause. It's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of uh, patience and mind <laughs> from me, and a lot of help. Um, not just from people you know who have knowledge in coding. For those who have reached out to me, thank you so much. It really does mean a lot um, to all those that have been offering pro bono uh, to be able to code for the website and everything. But it's also going to take some, some, some YouTubers, some some film critics who are willing to put behind the nonsense of the old way of doing things and to try something new and something different and create essentially a new standard. And I think it's a standard, though, that people are going to want. And I think it's a standard that we actually kind of really need right now. Uh, PB and Jamie, Odin looking clean as F. Thank you very much. Gannis says, the beard is legendary. Thank you. Viber Chief says, Odin said he did it before his trip. I know what you mean by that. Yeah, sure you do. Sure you do. Darth Marl says, my king, what's going on? Slicer Neon says, so a cat goosed our feminist hit hero? Yeah, pretty much. So Goose the Cat upstages the lead actress. That is a fact. That is a fact. More people are going to talk about it, and they already have been, about Goose the Cat than about Brie Larson's Captain Marvel. And I think that's a big problem. That's why you've seen a lot of reviews saying, yeah, she just wasn't anything special. She was a, a generic actress that could have been played by a vast number of people, better by a vast number of people on top of that. But Goose, the cat, upstages, upstages them all. September Gaming he says, can you imagine an uh, Alita? again? I'm not gonna do these uh, September. I'm not doing those right now. Um, I'm not doing those right now. Uh, Darth Moral, my king. What's going on, bro? What's going on? 880 million says you're wrong, Chris D. Holland killed it. There's no way. All right, Holland is awesome. I love. I like Tom Holland. I think he's a great Spider-Man. 880 million. Um. If you mean Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel is not making $880 million. Not going to happen. Calling that right now. Not going to happen. Hibern says, some people are fake shills, but not us. Hashtag not us. Yeah, seriously. There are some people that are shills. There are some people that will make up reviews because they want to make somebody happy. Basically, the review system that I want to put in place for this website is going to be one that is not predicated upon a desire to get access. You know, Nerdronics has done a great job on his channel really exposing the uh, the access media. And this is going to be a website that's not going to be that. It's not going to be the website that's trying to get into the press junkets, that's trying to interview people, you know. And if those if those offers ever come, it's going to be, hey, we'll take that offer, but just know we're going to ask you some pretty pointed questions. We're not just going to softball you, you know. Because at the end of the day, if we just become like any other softball site, I'm sorry, but that's no different than a Rotten Tomatoes or a Metacritic or an IMDb. Like seriously you know all those different websites they all have their their you know people who interview and they all have their access and everything like that i don't care about that stuff okay is that stuff cool would it be would it be cool to be invited to see a movie first yeah absolutely but only if they understand and realize that i'm going to if the movie sucks i'm going to crap all over it if the movie's good i'm gonna praise it but instead now it's like they expect to get good reviews and you see that happen a lot it's awful uh, the says, while I like the idea of Rotten Tomatoes type website ranked rated by big YouTubers, I still don't trust it because YouTubers sometimes hate a movie because it doesn't have their political, which is unfair. Well, again, that's the reason why it's not just the fact, it's not just who is going to be reviewing it, it's how they're going to be reviewing it. That's going to essentially, not guarantee because nothing's guaranteed, but making it a lot harder to skew a rating in a certain direction just because of your own subjective point of view. That That's how I would describe it. And I understand your concerns. And don't worry. That is that is something that has gone into the the process. Zenwater says, "K. Sakoff, Oh, absolutely. K. K Sakoff would have been the perfect choice for this character. Let's see. Gennison says, do you buy action figures? No. Uh, I get sent action figures, though, but I do not buy them. Aiden says, Nerdrodic just tweeted, first Marvel movie I have been to with zero applause at the end. Whoa, man. Wow. Yeah, see, I had applause. Like, three times we had applause. Uh, the first time was for the tribute to um, Stan Lee. And then at the very end of the movie, there was applause for a couple of the end scenes. So I had applause. But that's interesting that Neidrotic did not have that same experience. As I said before, every theater, every market is going to have a different group of people. Every movie time is going to have a different group of people and a different response. So I really am fascinated to find out. I want these hard numbers to come in because I really want to know. Thursday, I'm confident it's going to be big. But what is the Friday to Sunday going to be? What is the China number going to be? What are these hard numbers that we're actually going to see in the process? Um, Eric Rose says if Captain Marvel breaks 800 million you will sing for us Eric Rhodes, absolutely if this movie breaks 800 million dollars after what I just saw if this movie breaks 800 million dollars I will sing I will do an entire stream alright Eric Rhodes, Valkyrie make a note of this if Captain Marvel makes it past 800 million dollars we are going to do a singing only stream where you guys get to recommend songs and I have to sing them <laughs> I make that pact with you now Eric I'm that confident I'm that confident that's not going to happen um, let's see. 80s Nostalgia Guy, thank you very much for the super chat, says, If next movie, Captain Marvel kills Thanos, do we boycott? At that point, I think people just walk out. Seriously, I think at that point, they're like, alright, yep, done. Pack up my bags, I'm done. People are already, you know, walking out. People are already walking away from the MCU. That would finalize it for a lot of people. But, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. Uh, Robert Harp, welcome to the channel. Alright, guys, well, uh KS Wheel says... Uh, She's getting crap on her fighting scenes. How bad was it? Well, you could tell that there was a stunt double doing her fight scenes. There were some people saying that there were scenes you couldn't see what was going on. I didn't really notice it as much. I could see everything uh, pretty clearly for the most part. Um, I was in an IMAX screen, too, so I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not. Um, But, yeah, I mean, the fight scenes weren't anything to write home about. I mean, like, it wasn't like a, uh, for example, it wasn't a Daredevil level fight scene. It was probably more in line with a, someone, someone had compared it to, Iron Fist, and I think that would be accurate, where you could tell there's a stunt double. You can tell that's not Brie Larson doing these things, and so I definitely would think that it's... a. Uh um something very clear there anyway guys so um i hope china hates catherine marvel unlike alita i hope so too guys says i when i went to see alita at my local cinema they were a lot of female audience with free tickets wow damn tina says owns be a block 800 million if wooden beam makes it yeah there's no chance no chance in hell you got no chance perfect comment says applause must be a cultural thing no one applauses films in oz that's for sure yeah yeah i mean it's definitely cultural definitely a cultural thing united states it's it's more common i would say Epicastro says, what number would you call a flop for this mo- movie? Okay, so flop, if you mean if it's going to lose money, if it makes anything under $400 million, it's a flop. It only needs to make $400 million to break even. I would consider it to be a disappointment. I would consider it to be a massive disappointment if this film comes in under five fifty. million. If this movie comes in under $550 million worldwide, that to me is a failure. Not a flop but a failure, and I think that is going to be something that's going to be talked about for a very, very, very long time. Darth Marl says, do you think Warner Brothers lifting the Shazam review embargo is a good sign? Ah, who knows? Shinfield says, you might have already talked about this, but news is already uh, out that Bob Iger's not happy with Captain Marvel and Chief Larson. Again, that's all rumors and speculation, so that's why I have not covered it, because I honestly don't know if that's the truth or not. Guys, I'm trying to wrap things up. Um, Hybrid says, question, ever seen Stranger Things? Love it, love it, love it. Hey, Marquez, Odin saw a tweet where it made a, a $14 million in one night. I don't know where that is. Aiden Vigory says, so I guess Relars is not winning an Oscar for this. Definitely not. Uh, Tina says, Valkyrie gone. Hey, I'm I'm Tina, I'm right there behind you. Anyway, guys, Valkyrie is gone. I'm gonna be heading out to um patrons. I love you. I shouted you out at the very beginning of the stream. I've already gone way too long for the stream in the first place. I gotta rest my I gotta rest my throat. I am tired. Guys, the fact that there are still 433 people in here, guys, you are so freaking awesome. I believe that Nerdronic, if you have not subscribed to Nerdronic's channel, please go check him out. He's a good guy. He is on the ball, he is fantastic. I want to say he also was planning on going live. I want to say that he was planning on doing a live stream after seeing the movie. So apparently he tweeted out recently that he had finished it. So look out for him. Uh, he should be going live, I, I assume, going live soon. I don't know if he's going live today or if he's going to be going live tomorrow um, or what's going to happen. But keep, you know, if you want to talk about this a little bit more, you can do that. Also, you can go over to the, 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 uh, the Discord channel. Someone who's in the Discord can help you out with that, give you a link to it. Um, and also, guys, go check out the website. You know, let me know your thoughts on it. Send me uh, send me some feedback. And also, too, put your ratings out there. If you suck out to Marvel, let your rating be heard. If you haven't not seen it and you don't want to see it, put that thumbs down. Guess what? There is an interested, not interested section on my website. Go check it out for that movie. We're going to be adding more movies as the days go by. Viper Chief, have a good one. Gannison, have a good one. Peabody, have a good one. Um, Subterranean Gaming, you have a good one. Outpost Dire, you have a good one as well. Guys, seriously, you're all amazing, beautiful people. Also, Robert Hart, welcome to the channel. And Alves. Alviz- Alves Geo, welcome to the channel. Seriously, this has been phenomenal. The fact that we had almost 600 people in here at one point is insane to me. So before you guys leave, though, one last thing. Drop a like button. Seriously, this is the most people I've had in in any stream, I think, ever. So thank you for being there, for an impromptu stream that I wasn't even sure I was going to make to in the first place. Thank you for being here. Thank you to all the people that donated tonight and all the people that subscribed tonight. Um, This is amazing. And I am truly humbled by all of this. And don't forget, Captain Marvel... Has explained that. Has explained that Nick Fury lost his eye because he got scratched by a cat, which is just the stupidest thing ever. And the Avengers got their name because the nickname for Cal Danvers, Jet, was the Avenger, among many, many other things. <laughs> and also, uh, Brie Larson at the movie. At one point, in the movie is called. Oh, what? How about a smile? How about a smile? How about a smile, Brie? <laughs> I hope you're offended. Ah, oh, man. Anyway, thank you so much for watching. As I said. C minus D plus movie. Not worth your time, I would say. But of course, you can make up your own minds for yourselves. Thank you so much for watching. Have a wonderful night. And as always, God bless. I hate to leave. I wish it was earlier so that I didn't have to leave because I don't ever want to leave 400 people in the lurch. But uh, thank you guys. Again, please. Leave a like button, Dion. Man, I don't think I shouted you out the first time, but Dion was also a uh, Dion was also a patron member too. So Dion, thank you for being a patron member. I already shouted the other patrons out there. Um, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing the patron shout outs at the very end of the stream because uh, my voice cannot handle it. Have a good night, guys. <laughs> All right.